When I was their age, if somebody had asked me to sing like that, I wouldn't have done it for ten dollars. <laughs> I tried once to sing in a duet, and I was the most consistent singer the world ever knew. I hit one note, it was the wrong one, but I kept that same note all the way through. <laughs> oh boy. Hey, children, that was wonderful. Really wonderful. This big choir had better look to their laurels or you'll push them out. <laughs> that was good. Children, you remember that I said this. It's nice to have some good singing at last in this church. <laughs> All day, I've been trying to dodge a text. Out of my past came a text. I thought, uh-uh. So I, I turned away from it, and I got another, and I worked on it, and uh, that pesky text wouldn't go. <laughs> and I've lived long enough to know that when that happens, it's because somebody in the audience needs it. So somewhere upstairs or downstairs, somewhere here tonight is a man or a woman, maybe more. But somebody needs this text. If you will turn in your Bible to the epistle to the Philippians and follow along as I read in the third chapter. The epistle to the Philippians chapter 3. And I'm beginning at verse 1. Paul said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, and to write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not difficult, and for you it saith. Beware of dogs. Now he wasn't thinking of poodles. <laughs> he wasn't thinking of Dalmatians he was thinking of what I call damnation dogs <laughs> they come up behind you and bite your heels beware of dogs beware of evil workers beware of the concision or we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and we have no confidence in the flesh. Though, I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any man could boast, I could do it. In so many words he seemed to say, you Philippians, you make me weary. Boast about this. Ah, listen, if any man could boast, I'm the one. Now he lays it on the line. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel and of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, 
concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Hold on a minute. He said, the Ten Commandments have nothing on me. As far as the righteousness which is in the law, I am blameless. And you couldn't say that. If you did, I'd call you a liar. Oh, he said, I could boast. I sure could. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them as done, that I may win Christ. That's the text, and there's something strange about it. He said, if I so desired, I could boast. Boast? Never. I count it as refuse, something unclean, filthy, to be thrown out and forgotten. But he said, I'll tell you something else. It burns as a passion in my soul. One thing and only one thing matters. Paul, what's that? That I might win Christ. Now, wait a minute. When you got saved, did you win Christ? Did you put in a special effort and win Christ? Or was he a gift? The free gift of God's love, which you didn't deserve, but he gave it to you. Well, Paul knew all about that. He said, the gift of God is eternal life. I was a blasphemer, but God in mercy, without money and without Christ, took me in. Ah, he said, but listen, that used to be. There is another Christ, a bigger Christ, a more embracing Christ, and he is not a gift. You have to win him. And many of you people were saved by the grace of God. You may not even know what I'm talking about. Christ is a gift to the sinner. But winning Christ demands the best effort you can put forward to win the prize. Now then, I want to do tonight that which I love doing best of all. I want to show you, if I can, New Testament truth as seen through an Old Testament window. All that is burning in my heart, God enshrined immortally in an Old Testament story. And that's, young people, the greatest love story in the Bible. I don't know what about these old people, but you're going to like this one. Now then, I have to turn back to the other text. Let me give it to you, and then we'll get going. In the book of Joshua, in 
chapter 15 is the incident about which I intend to talk. Joshua 15, verse 16. This is the Old Testament window through which we look at New Testament truth. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath-Sephir and taketh it, to him will I give Axa my daughter to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it. And he gave him Axa, his daughter, to wife. And it came to pass, as she came unto him, that she moved him to ask of her father a field. And she lighted off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? And she answered, Give me a blessing. For thou hast given me a southland, give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. You know, this story fascinates me. It really does. But there's only one way to start. Do you remember the account of how the spies went out to see what was in the promised land? And do you remember how when they came back, their testimony was divided. Most of them said, Oh, it's wonderful. We've never seen a land like it. But forget it. One bunch of grapes, two men had to carry the things. Forget it. Why? Huh, wonderful land. But the people there, they are giants. And in comparison, we are just grasshoppers. They can step on us and squash us. Two of the spies said, rubbish, stuff, nonsense. If God be for us, who can be against us? Doesn't matter if they're as tall as the mountains. With God, we can do it. It was no use. Israel believed the majority, and they spent the next 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. Now, all that you know. However, no man ever worked for God for nothing. Do you remember what God said to the two faithful spies? Do you remember how they were rewarded? Joshua became the new leader. He succeeded Moses and ultimately led the people into Canaan. I wonder how many of you here tonight know the reward that was promised to the other faithful spy, Caleb. That's our beginning. See? God said, well done. Well done. Listen, when the time comes for you to enter into the land, all the area over which you traveled on this mission, that shall be your inheritance. And poor old Caleb had to wait 45 years to get paid. If he'd been in the Teamsters Union, there'd have been a strike. <laughs> 45 years! Well, there were 40 years in the wilderness. 
Then the battles taking Canaan or what they did take another 45 years. And at last, now this is where we begin. Caleb came one day to Joshua's tent. He said, brother, yes, my, my, my brother Caleb, God bless you. He said, wait a minute now. Don't you think it's time I got paid? Paid? For what? I said, come on. You know full well that 45 years ago with the other guys, we came to spy out this land. Sure did. And you remember what God said. We would be paid for our services. Yes? What about it? Well, you have become the leader of the nation. You have received what you deserve. What about me? God said that all the land over which we traveled on that mission, that should be mine. And I don't own a blessed inch of it. It's time somebody put a move on. And Caleb pulled at his beard. Joshua pulled at his beard and he looked at his brother Caleb. And then he allowed his gaze to go over the inheritance. Ah, he said, come to think of it. God did say that for you, to you. And there it is. And then the old man's eyes twinkled because slap bang in the middle of the inheritance was the city of the Canaanites and Joshua couldn't get them out. Kerjath-Sepha, a stronghold of hell. And old Joshua, with rare wisdom, he said, Ha, ha, ha. Ah, good idea. Caleb, my brother, there it is. It's yours. Go and get it. He knew full well that that city was smack in the middle, and that was the handful. If Caleb could take that, <laughs> wonderful. And that's where we are introduced to his daughter. Caleb had a daughter. She was the joy of his life. She had beauty and brains. And that's a rare combination in any woman. Some people, man, some ladies, they're gorgeous to look at. But the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. Others were on vacation when God gave out good looks. <laughs> hey, you look out for them. Generally, they finish up by being president of a mighty firm. But if a man has a wife or a sweetheart who's got beauty and brains, God bless him. Some of us are not so fortunate. Her name was Axa. And she was single. There was a boy in Israel called Othniel, and every time he looked at the girl, his heart turned a somersault. He couldn't sleep by night, he couldn't rest by day. 
her face was ever before him. Boy, oh boy, how he loved her. Now that I don't know, I don't know whether Othniel had tackled the old lion in his den, Caleb, and asked for the girl. I don't know whether he had asked and he'd been turned down, or whether he was too scared to ask. But there she was, and there he was. Point one. Love concerned. As a matter of fact, if you read the scripture, you'll find out that uh, they were sort of cousins. There was already a family link. And because of that, uh, any time of, of the day or night, he could go with his problems and she'd listen. There was a blood relationship. And uh, she'd never be too impatient to receive him. Never be too busy to listen to him. He could come at any old time of the day or night and be sure of getting a welcome. But that was no good at all. Ha! He said, Who's, who wants that? I'll never rest until I can put my arms around that girl and hang her to my breast and bring her home to be queen in my little castle. Love, concerned, how can I win that girl? Wait a minute. Do you remember the Lord had twelve disciples? The embryonic church. Twelve of them. There was a traitor, you'll always find a serpent in the Garden of Eden, always. But there were eight others, there they were, believing in and following the Lord. There was an inner circle, just three. They climbed up the mountain with the Savior, they were in the Garden. Oh, they, 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 they were all followers, but in every church, including this one, you'll find the inner circle that keeps things going, the faithful ones. Now, whether you belong to that inner circle, you ought to know, I don't. But dead center, there was one. And of him, it was said, he leaned on Jesus' bosom. Do you remember how they had a king-sized quarrel one day? Because two of them tried to pull the wool over the eyes of the others. And when they had the chance, they said, Lord, Lord, yes, when the kingdom comes, what about it? Master, when the kingdom comes, can my brother and I sit one on either side of you? That was a dirty, rotten trick. And you know something? When the disciples, the others, found out there was blood on the moon, you so-and-so, so-and-so, you waited until we were absent, and then, ah, oh, there was trouble. They'd have made wonderful deacons in the Baptist church. But I never read in my testament 
that they quarreled as to who should lean on his bosom. As a matter of fact, had there been another candidate for the position, he could have slipped round the other side and he too could have put his head down there. Oh, they wanted to be next to the throne. But only one wanted to put his head down and listen to heartbeats. If, 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 if John lived today, I know what his favorite hymn would be. Not Jesus, lover of my soul, or guide me, O thou great Jehovah, nor, nor any, any of these wonderful songs we've heard. If John lived today, he would love nearer, still nearer, close to thy heart, draw me, my Savior, so precious thou art. John wasn't content to be two yards away if he could get within one yard. He wasn't content to be one yard away if he could get within six inches. And would you believe it? He wasn't content with that if it were possible to put his head down and listen. Oh, I guess the other disciples. They looked down their noses at him as if to say, Ah, he's like a woman. Hey, if you want a job done, I'm the kid for it. Any preaching job, perform miracles, I'm first on the list. But, ah, yeah, he's like a woman. But there was, within the soul of John, an intense yearning to get closer. How can I get that beloved of mine within my arms? I take her home and we'll never be separated again. Love concerns. Got that? I'd be a rotten preacher if I didn't pause for a moment to ask, honest to God, do you know what I'm talking about? Are you content to be a member of a good church, to be a member of a choir that can sing like this? Are you just a... Well, if you drop dead, you wouldn't be missed. Oh, every moment of every day, you can feel it like the throb of an engine. Oh, I know he's my savior and I know there's a relationship. I know that. I'm already a member of the family and because of this I can go day or night to him and he'll listen to me. I can share my burdens and my problems and he'll help me. I know that. But I want more. That I might win Christ. All right. Hey, young people, can you see this young fella? He's got a face as long as a fiddle. And he's sitting down outside of his tent. He's got his uh, elbows on his uh, knees and he's got his chin in his face. And one of his pals comes along. Hey, sir boy, how you doing? Ah, not so bad. You're going to the wedding? Huh? Whose wedding? Oh, he says, come on. Everybody's talking about the wedding. It's going to be something else. Are you going? 
He said, who's getting married? Oh, he said, Caleb's daughter asked her. Oh, that shook him. He said, what did you say? Axa getting married? Who's the man? I don't know. I said, don't be so stupid. If there's a marriage, there's got to be a bridegroom. Who's the man? And oh boy, he was getting hot. And after a bit of bypass play, sort of, his friend said, hey, listen, kid. If you had any brains in that head of yours, you wouldn't sit here moping. You'd get up and find out things. He said, never mind about that. What's taking place in the show? Well, he said, I don't know much about it, but they all saying that old Caleb got fed up with waiting. Oh, before we were born, Caleb and Joshua spied out the land. And ah, God, so they say, promised that all the land over which Caleb traveled should be his. Ah, 45 years ago. And old Caleb ran out of patience, so he went up to see Joshua and told him. And, uh, and uh, you know, boy, well, Joshua's not such a fool, too. He likes to be on the bandwagon. He said, sure, sure, there's your inheritance. Go and take it. Knowing full well, he couldn't do it. It was the big city of the Jebusites and the, of, of the Canaanites. And he said, guess what? Oh, Caleb, he's got a lot of brains. He's just nailed up a proclamation on a tree. And, oh, he said, go and see for yourself. Boy, he did too. And he got up and he looked at it. To him that taketh Kerjath Sefer. To him will I give back to my daughter to wife. He said, good Lord. So he read it again to make sure. To him that taketh to him, good Lord, I'll give acts to my daughter away. He said, dear God, I'll do it or die. <laughs> Point two, not love concerned, but love challenged. Love concerned said, how can I win my beloved? Love Challenge said, you can win your beloved by taking that city. Now hang on a minute. How can I win Christ? I've lived long enough to know that the devil is a master at erecting a Kyrgyzstifa in every life. I'll guarantee that if you look around your little territory, you cleaned up many spots, but I'll guarantee that every Christian listening to me tonight is aware of an area where the devil has dropped anchor and he won't shift. With all your aspirations and plans and efforts, you come back to it. That old habit is still there. That old passion in the city of hell is still there. You can sing until you get blue in the face. You can work. Oh, by the way, the devil doesn't mind how much you work for Jesus. He loves it. 
The devil would love you to work overtime for Jesus. He doesn't mind as long as your work is ineffective. It's when you begin to cut ice that he gets a heart attack. But as long as you're not causing any trouble, stay in your blessed hymns and give tithes and stand on your fool head if you want to. And all the time he laughs because we talk about full surrender and we talk about this and we talk about that. But he says, no need to worry about him. I've got, I, I've got a stronghold right smack in the, in the middle of his life. And the trouble is, having tried and failed, we give up and we learn to live with the devil. And as long as he behaves himself, well, he's not a bad neighbor. See the boy looking? He's the dear God. To him that driveth out the enemy, he, I'll do it or die crying. I guess he gathered together some of his friends. He went to battle. If they lost heart, not he. He said, listen, boys, if I go home, I'm going home to a wedding. And if I can't have that girl, I'd sooner die right here and now. You know why we lose our battles against the devil? Oh, I can tell you. We fight with one hand. Boy, we fight hard. But our other hand is occupied holding some sort of an idol behind our back. I used to tell a story and wouldn't tell it now. This couldn't happen in America. It couldn't happen. It could only happen in Wales or Cornwall. What I'm about to tell you. Every, in our church in Wales, we started the year with a week of prayer meeting. And we had an old boy in our church, he always prayed the same prayer. Off the record, we were sick of him. We knew what, we knew what he'd say before he started. But God had a, God had a big forgetter, he said. The old guy had to remind the Lord, see. And every night, it, it was a performance. He'd get up, he'd turn round, he'd go down on one knee, down the other knee, put his head back and he was in top gear. And when he was really getting there, he'd say, Oh God! Sweep the cobwebs out of my temple. Nothing wrong with that. Except next night, he said the same thing. And the next night. Oh, God, sweep the cobwebs out of my temple. And one night, another deacon looking through his fingers. I had my eyes open because I was fascinated. I didn't want to miss anything. The old boy said, Oh, God! Sweep the cobwebs out of my temple. And the other deacon, in a whisper we all heard, said, Oh God, don't listen to him. Kill the spider. <laughs> I don't think that could happen in America. Hey, no, wait a minute. Aren't we all guilty? Oh God, send revival. Oh God, bless the missionaries. Oh God, upset the devil. But don't hurt that little spider. I've had him since you was a baby. <laughs> Love concerned. I am not satisfied with where I am and what I am. 
said Paul, that I could win Christ. How? Take your courage, Jasper. I don't know whether the kid was wounded. I, I guess he was weary and dirty and tired, but, you know, you can't lose a battle when you go into it that way. Uh, I said the girl had beauty and brains. Hey, kids, listen to this. Hey, fellas, you find a sweetheart and marry her of this type, and you'll be a millionaire. The boy came back from the battlefield, went up, told Caleb, he said, I've done it. My boy, what have you done? What have I done? I've taken Kurjatsifa, and you said, if anybody did that, he could have you a daughter. And the old man's eyes twinkled. He said, you really took it? Yes. Ha. And I can have my inheritance, yes. Sure, my boy. And you know, there was a gorgeous wedding. I was born too late. I, w I would like to have been there. Here. But now, hey, 